the American audience and appetite from hiring managers would be the most important things to them are one delivery. If you're constantly providing the best people, that's great, but it goes directly hand in hand with relationships. I think American sales cycles are very relationship driven. Hello, everyone. My name is Kate Shoesmith. I am Deputy Chief Executive at the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. And today I'm stepping into Neil Carberry's seat for this edition of the Talking Recruitment podcast so that Neil gets a well-earned half-term break. He has to take a holiday sometime, I guess. Um, So we're now into the final month of quarter two of 2023, and it feels to me like we're getting a good, clear picture of how this labour market is holding up from a UK context. We're seeing it coming through in our data, as well as the um, official national statistics that the UK jobs market is actually one of the most robust out there. And that's something that I felt for quite some time. But if I look at our latest jobs outlook report that was published at the end of May, um, it showed how for the first time since the start of 2022, actually, that employers' confidence in making hiring decisions returned to positive territory. So that's quite a moment for all of us, particularly when we started the year of 2023, thinking about how there might be uh, the recession and that there was a number of gloom me uh, quite pessimistic predictions out there. Um, Meanwhile, unemployment obviously remains super low. It's below 4%. Um, So it really does feel like the, uh, the market is strong, but it doesn't mean to say that it's any easier out there. Um, On that, we have a number of events and publications coming up to help REC members and our community navigate these times. So on the 21st of June, we're going to be welcoming Tony Wilson uh, to our AGM to give his view on the labour market challenges and the economic outlook. If you've ever seen Tony commentate on the ONS stats around the labour market or his appearances in front of parliamentary select committees, you'll know how much sense he talks and the fresh perspective he brings. So um, that's a really good one to join us online if you can. Um, And the other big uh, flagship event we have coming up is RecLive 23, which is our annual conference. Uh, This typically is a forum for about 500 plus recruitment experts to get together. Last year, we had over 600. Um, The event title for this year, I think, is is a really good one, given what I said at the start of the podcast around um, the the type of market we're in and the changing conditions. So the, the conference is called Riding the Waves of Change. Feels very appropriate, and it's going to be talking about the key themes in recruitment right now, from sustainability uh, to EDI to technology. Um, and, and hopefully all of these events should be really helpful as we all start to think about our next cycle of business planning. So. With that in mind, I wanted to turn our attention to today's podcast guests. And I feel like this edition is particularly timely because when I'm in conversations with recruiters up and down the country um, and in in our online forums, but also in my conversations with uh, UK government and my global colleagues through the World Employment Confederation, I know that a number of UK firms and in the recruitment space, they've been looking at the opportunities that can be afforded by taking 
their business model and expanding into other territories and most particularly um, into the United States. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So today I'm really pleased that we're being joined by Josh Gitman and Miranda Ashley, who are co-founders of LGWS, Lead and Gain Workforce Solutions. Miranda, Josh, welcome. It's really great to have you both here. Pleasure Likewise. to be here, Kate. Thanks for having us. I know that both of you have a background in recruitment and uh, staffing operations, um, and that I, I understand that you actually met in the States, and that's what led to the formation of uh, Leading Game. But why don't you, um, I don't know which of you, Miranda or Josh, which, why don't you tell us about uh, the origins of the organization, how you came into formation? Sure, I'm happy to kick that off for you, Kate. Uh, so, Miranda and I uh, worked together at a recruitment agency. We've been in staffing for uh, about 12 years each. and A long time. <laughs> yeah, what well, seems like many lifetimes, but uh, just over a decade. Um, we each had a major part in the firm's contractor operations, myself uh, from managing uh, the sales and onboarding and compliance cycle. Uh, for various teams. Miranda ran our global back office operations for contractor support, uh, maintenance, payroll, and our firm, we help recruitment agencies onboard contractors. We're an employer of record, agent of record, umbrella, as some of our friends across the pond would call it. Uh, but we started our company because there were vendors that we were leaning on where we felt hey, there's got to be a little bit of a better way to do this, or there's more of a robust offering, and we're working with multiple vendors to support multiple worker types in the States. So I guess it was about four and a half years ago or so, we started our operations, we were building technology, and we've been growing ever since. And that's where we are today. And obviously, it's um, it's been something of a success. Um, and and Miranda, I imagine that's partly because the the market in um, the United States um, is complex. Now, I'm saying this from a position of not knowing, but my immediate perception is we t we talk about um, the difference between federal and states. And when I speak to my colleagues who run the A. SA and they talk about American staffing, the differences there can be huge state to state. So so why don't you give us a bit of a sense for you from your perspective, Miranda, of um, what is it that you think you need to be aware of if you're a foreign recruitment firm that's coming into the states and looking to expand into that market? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the US is obviously a really popular option for folks in the UK. It's it's a massive market. I think that's stating the obvious. It's a huge market that's got huge potential, but it's also a huge country. And like you said, there's 50 states almost operating as 50 separate countries. It's sort of a bit like Europe. And the expectation is that would you know the rules and regulations of every country in Europe? Likewise, the states here all have their own rules, regulations, laws. They all operate slightly differently. The country itself is very different, east to west, north to south. So for anybody coming into the US, I think it's important that 
they keep that in mind and that you take the time to to get used to that and find out about what part of the country might be best for your business. So is there a particular part of the country that suits your industry or you may find, you know, your hiring pool is is better on the west or the east, depending on, on what sort of folks that you're looking for. With that in mind, you want to come over here and be focused. You know, you, you don't want to be a very generalist recruitment offering. You want to, to stay to your strength, stay with your niche, be focused on what you know best so that you can provide, you know, a, a very focused and professional service once you're over here. So so don't try and go too big, you know, stay small, start small and and work out from there. It's obviously important to understand you don't have to have an office here straight away. You can work from the UK, you can work placements from the UK, you could hire remotely here. So you could have two or three folks just based remotely. You don't have to go all in from day one and have an office here. But um, it is worth investing in having some US outward focused uh, phone numbers, maybe a virtual office address, that sort of thing, so that there is some familiarity to the US folks that you're dealing with. Josh, would you say that's that's sensible? Yeah, I would have to agree with all that. Um, it's a big country. Um, every state operates just slightly differently. Just going in knowing that you're not going to master everything in the states and finding suppliers and experts in each area is only going to work to your benefit, whether it be legal, insurance, um, compliance, payroll, whatever it might be. Um, it's good to have a team of experts at your disposal over here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unachievable to think that you can know everything about everywhere, and nobody really expects that. It is you, you need to build a team around you. You know. That that feels such sensible advice, no matter where you're operating. So so you know we often talk in um, in a UK context of um, are you going to be generalist or specialist as as a recruitment business and and knowing how you're going to be uh, quite often the the hackneyed phrase that is used is an inch wide and a mile deep. That's where you can add real value. So so the advice you're giving makes perfect sense. But but Josh, from your perspective, what do you feel like are the major market differentiators between the UK and the US? Is there things that people should be looking out for? So if I were to say the, the number one difference between the UK and the US market is that the US market is just unsaturated. Uh, there's some big players out here um, who offer a very large company generalist offerings uh, but the market in the states for specialist recruiters and like you said uh, inch wide mile deep uh, that's just not as prevalent over here uh, so i think that's i know that's where we're seeing the most traction with uk firms coming into the us is hyper focused hyper niche specialist recruitment uh, which is has been the model in the UK for quite some time. It's just not the model in the States. And hiring managers in the States, they need expertise in their area. And it seems to be an extremely popular uh, new way of doing business in the States, at least over the last couple of years. And there's a lot of room for expansion on that front. Is there an approach that feels like it's the best one to take? Um, Miranda, perhaps you've had most experience with this as the as the UK rep lead and gain. Is this something that you feel that the US audience is looking for from a UK recruiter? Is there is is there an approach that hiring managers appreciate, would you say? 
I mean, Josh is the sales expert here, mm. but what I would say is some of the reasons behind why we started the business as well is that more familiar approach. So, you know, making connections, making relationships, staying in touch with people, sort of proving your your worth. So, you know, people can just call you up, have a chat, sounding ideas off of you, not necessarily that hardcore sales approach but you know more of a a gentle familiar type relationship I think works really well over here. Josh is that your experience too is that the advice you give? Yeah very similar Um, I do think that the American audience and appetite from hiring managers would be that the most important things to them are one delivery Um, if you have if you're constantly providing the best people that's great but it goes directly hand in hand with relationships. Um, I think American sales cycles are very relationship driven. So if you make one good placement with the best candidate, uh, they might not come back to you again if you don't have that relationship and you're not um, staying in touch and, and connecting on a more personal level, talking about your kids, your hobbies and text messaging and uh, just staying sticky and relevant at least even as a buyer on my side, when I work with other vendors, I highly prefer working with people that I can connect with and that stay in touch and that are just personable. So um, in the US, very relationship driven, but also we respect delivery. I immediately have uh, images of my recruitment community that's around me. They have no problem with the personal and being and and having that chat. And um, that's, you know, the wonderful thing about the REC membership is that they they are they will always say this they're people people they you know they're in a people business for the for a reason they want to be they want to work in recruitment because they they love finding out about it, different individuals um so so i can see the fit immediately from from what you're saying um i don't know which of you is best to direct this one out but we've already said that there's a there's a difference between um different states um the uh the market that you're going to be going into really need to it sounds like you need to understand where your niche would be but what are the sectors that feel like they're really taking off at the minute is there is there something that you think is particularly in demand and perhaps where the supply is lacking we do see some trends at the moment the trends that we're seeing right now is just uh, popular for UK staffing firms moving to the States. Uh, technology, IT, that's been popular over here for quite some time. I would say uh, the newest trends are in renewables. Uh, so think wind, solar, um, engineering firms feeding into those industries. Um, I would also say life sciences is huge. Pharmaceuticals, uh, there's a uh, a lot of, not a lot, but there's multiple firms that we've seen coming over here and doing a lot of work in that space. Um, I have friends and family who work in pharmaceuticals, and there's definitely a, a need for good staff and a lack of ability to find those people. So huge market on that front. But like I was saying before, if you're hyper niche, you're offering a unique service you can carve out a market in a lot of different industries and especially industries that we may not have even thought of. And I think that's something that's really unique to what Miranda and I are doing. We talk to so many different recruitment companies and we constantly leave these calls saying, I had no idea that there was such a need for that specific individual. 
Miranda, yeah. I, I think you'd have yeah. to agree with me on that one. Very, very true. Um, you know, like we've come from the technology side of things in the past and it's been fantastic. The number of clients that we've spoken to and are working with that are in such a variety of industries um, that I, you know, had never come across before. So it's been really good to learn about them and to get involved in them. What you're saying to us is something that they, these are global phenomenon. Um, so the the fact that if if we look across what happened um, during the course of the pandemic and even prior to that, you knew that life sciences and pharmaceuticals was was all important and it's never been more important. In um, and then if you think about again the trends that came out of the pandemic around. We're very aware that the um, the shift towards IT and digital meant and the the way that we're working and operating, the fact that we can have this conversation today online and broadcast it everywhere, the fact that how we are shopping and buying and what that means for cybersecurity, um, all of the developments around chat GPT and AI um, and, and and not least around, you know, just even thinking about what, what Google Analytics 4 means for everybody. It's not surprising that these are some of the key areas. Um, and your last one was there is around renewables. So the, the climate change crisis, the fact that everybody's far more interested in sustainability. So I'm wondering what that means for the, um, I suppose, the more office-based roles. Is your advice that if you are in that, if you are not one of those key, key sectors, that there isn't a market and a niche for you? Or is there the possibility of there being something as long as you're very clear about, um, you call it your hyper niche? Is it that there's that opportunity or is it just for those key sectors that I've just mentioned? No, there's opportunity everywhere. Um, we see hyper niche sectors popping up in office-based jobs like you just described, but maybe one sector of finance offering financial services to just one specific industry, or maybe you just support actuarial recruitment. Uh, we see a lot of very, this comment keeps coming up, uh, inch wide, mile deep. And I think that's the real key phrase here, that that's where the, the current recruitment sector is lacking in the States. Uh, they get these large generalist recruitment companies who aren't hyper-focused, and there's a real appetite for that hyper-focused delivery. So, no, it's uh, it's not exclusive to those hot industries. I would say that, if anything, finding something that might be slightly outside of the hot industry, you could be a single player operating in a very underappreciated market. That's really interesting. I think that's what gives lots of people food for thought is how do they apply what they know um, and uh, what they do so well in a UK context? How could they expand and do that um, overseas? And uh, from from my conversations, I know that the UK government is particularly interested in how they can better support the UK recruitment industry as an export opportunity. Um, so we're always interested in looking for uh, feedback on all of that. So just to finish off today's conversation, it's been really helpful because it's been quite practical. Are, is there anything that you would say is the first steps that somebody should take? So they're, um, so UK 
UK recruitment firm, thinking about the, the global opportunities that are out there, thinking that they've got this hyper niche that might be um, valuable and interesting to a US context um, and, and obviously needing to decide which area, which state they're going to uh, to really invest in as a first opportunity. What, what's their first what's their first way forward? What's the first things they need to do? Josh, why, why don't you start us off there? Yeah, so small crash course and and getting set up in the U.S. for the first time. You can do a lot of this from overseas. You don't need to be in the U.S. to support U.S. customers. Um, it to operate as a permanent placement direct hire shop. Quite easy to get your uh, your U.S. compliant agreements in place and start doing fees in the U.S. and having U.S. companies pay one-time permanent placement fees to the U.K. Uh, but even before that, just if you're a firm in the UK and you're thinking about jumping into the US, maybe you have multiple offerings, multiple lines of business, or maybe you're a really small shop, pick one area that you want to test the waters with. See if any of your existing customers operate in the US and say, hey, do you have any needs over across the pond and test the waters that way. But it's always good to get a little bit of a lay of the land before you just go all in with your entire offering working to expand across the entire country. That said, permanent placement is a good place to start, but we can also advise my firm. That's exactly what we do. We help with contract replacements. Uh, so that's usually step two, but it doesn't need to be because that's typically the area where UK firms are most afraid because they don't have the right employment contracts or subcontractor agreements or independent contractor agreements, or they don't really understand what an LLC versus an S corp versus a C corp versus a limited partnership might be or a W2. So that's where a firm like ours comes into play. There's multiple employer of records out there, uh, but we would advise working with one, hopefully ourselves, of course, but if you need to do any contract placements, uh, working with a firm like ours can help you navigate both the labor laws in all 50 states and the federal level payroll laws in all 50 states and at the federal level and we can help you navigate those waters and make sure you're doing it all compliantly so like i said before having the right partners um, is crucial working with a firm like ours for contract replacements and then if anyone ever approached us we have connections in legal we have connections in insurance that just specialize in uh, in staffing companies which is a and i don't mean to ramble here but it's an underappreciated uh, market in the States, just like recruitment isn't as built out in these in the same way it is in the UK. The sub industries supporting recruitment firms is also not built out in the same way as it is in the UK. So um, in the States, you're not going to find a ton of companies that offer outsourced back office operations, or you're not going to find a lot of insurance providers that just specialize in staffing. Uh, so you need to find the select few firms that will support staffing companies. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Miranda, like to, to um, let us end today, is there anything you'd add to that? But also, why don't you tell us how, if people want to find out more about uh, Lead and Gain, what, what should they do? Where, how should they look you guys up? Um, so to add to Josh's stuff, I mean, he summarised everything there. I think the experience that we've had with our clients is a lot of them have stumbled across existing customers that they're working with who want to place in the US and they've just broke their way in through that process um, and I think having if you can find some relationships early on so that you've got 
people to ask questions of. So, you know, we work with a lot of people who just utilize us to bounce ideas off of because they've got customers that might want to have placements in the US. So I think having that network in place early on so that you can, you know, find out more as you go. Um, some states get a really bad rep. You know, pe- people are scared of some states, California, New York. Um, don't let that put you off. You know, don't be afraid of anywhere. Just go in with your eyes open and ask questions. You know, you, you don't want to turn things away because you've heard rumours that some places are more challenging than others. You know, definitely don't write anywhere off. And to get in touch with us, sure, you check out our website. You can book a call with either myself and Josh directly through the website, um, you know, please get in touch and we're happy to to help with any questions that you have and guide you in the right direction. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much to, to both you, Josh and Miranda, um, for, for joining us today for, for talking recruitment. I think what you've made clear to me is that there's a sense of there is the opportunity out there. It's really important that you do your homework. Of course, it is. That's the same um, with any of our um, our messaging and to, to really think through the compliance standards. Um, as we produce this um uh, podcast will make sure that everybody gets the contact details so we'll give the the link to the lead and gain uh, website uh, as well as part of the recording thank you very much to everybody who has joined us today and for uh, listening to this edition of the talking recruitment podcast uh, as we always say if you've enjoyed it please let us know um, and if you've got feedback for other topics of conversation then also really interested to hear those but you can tune into any of the other episodes that we've produced thus far this year. There's a great conversation with Helen Tomlinson, who is has been appointed as the government's uh, menopause champion uh, for business. And she comes from the ADECO group and she's talks through on episode nine uh, how industry can retain and support employees through the perimenopause and menopause which is obviously a growing issue for um, for many businesses out there um, there's also episode eight which if you want to go to hyper local rather than hyper niche in terms of sectors um, join Cl- Chris Fletcher and uh, Neil Carberry talking about how you develop a local skills improvement plan that can really uh, support um, uh, your local community and we've got episode episode seven which was with Sarah O'Connor who was um, is one of the uh, lead commentators in the FT who does a really great analysis of AI um, and perceptions of the recruitment industry so I highly recommend that. Thank you again uh, to Josh and Miranda for today's um, podcast and look forward to seeing the rest of you again soon on one of the editions of the Talking Recruitment podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash talking recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.